Welcome to Clear Thinking, a podcast by Better Broadhead. We are a coalition serving the communities of the Broadhead School District, working to reduce youth substance use, bullying, and dating violence through education, awareness, and advocacy. This is episode 28, part four in a series about prevention and outreach to the LGBTQ community. In this episode, Megan Altfilish, the Community Services Coordinator for Better Broadhead, interviews a teen in Greene County, along with their mother, to discuss the experience of transitioning as a teen and responding as a parent. It is our hope that hearing this episode, we can all learn something new about gender identity, the transgender experience, and how to be a more supportive community for those who identify as something different than cisgender, that is, the gender which matches the sex we are assigned at birth. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Quinn and Suzanne, for being here with us today. Um, our podcast will be about transitioning as a teen and responding as a parent. So my first question um, is for Quinn. And Quinn, I was wondering, when did you first realize that you did not identify with a gender that was assigned to you at birth? Yeah, so um, I think for me, I sort of or like always knew, like kind of how as a kid, you always know that you have brown hair, but it's not really important till everybody's like, oh, I have red hair and that's rare, that sort of thing. So it's always kind of one of those things that I always knew and it always affected me, but I didn't really have the words until middle school. And so that was when I really started to um, realize that, oh, hey, I guess that's not something that everybody feels. And so what were you feeling? What were those feelings that you that were that were going on during that time? To be honest, I don't remember a lot of it. It was middle school. There was a lot of feelings in middle school, but I think honestly it was just mostly curiosity about myself and about everything else cuz at that point I hadn't really considered how everyone else would react, which of course is when you would feel anxious about this sort of thing, but I hadn't considered that yet, so I was mostly just curious. And were you um, able or did you tell anyone how you were feeling or during this time, did you reach out to anyone and kind of explain what you were feeling? Yeah, I did. I um, Actually, a lot of the terminology for uh, LGBT identities was told to me by several close friends at the time. And so all of us, all of us are queer, actually. And so we were kind of in middle school going through that self-discovery together. And so I shared a lot of my feelings with them. That's amazing. I'm so happy that you had that support system. And were you worried about any of them or anyone in your life being unsupportive when you told them? Yes, I think I think it's kind of impossible not to be. If there is anyone who is not scared about coming out to people, um, congratulations, you're in the minority. Yeah, I was scared about telling like anyone, even if it was someone I knew who was genu- generally accepting. Like if, if I knew that, um, for example, my mother who's here with us today, if I knew that she was accepting of gay people in general, that was all cool, fine and dandy, but I'm not just a gay person in general. I am, I am her child. It's different, you know? And I think just, it's a lot different from like seeing something or seeing someone react to somebody else and then having them react to you. It's, it's a very different feeling. So of course I was scared and I'm just glad that it all worked out well for me. Um, another question that I have is how, um, how did you come out to 
your friends, you kind of already explained your friend, but your teachers and your family and what were their reactions? Right. So, um, all of that kind of happened in one day because I had been talking to my school guidance counselor actually about, um, changing my name in the system. This was, I think in eighth grade, um, changing my name in the system and having the teachers, you know, call me by a different name and different pronouns. So I went to the guidance counselor and I was like, I want to do this. And, um, she was like, okay, cool, but we're going to have to tell your parents. And at this point, I had already like told my parents some things. Like I had told them that I was questioning. They knew probably at this point and for a while that I definitely wasn't straight. But basically what happened was my middle school guidance counselor, who I love to death, uh, she called my parents in for a meeting after school one day. And it all, we just told them everything, laid it out flat. And there were no negative reactions. There were some uh, curious and, like, unknowing reactions, but nothing negative, and I'm very glad for that. That also makes me so happy that, um, that that was your experience. So what other steps did you take then to become your authentic self? Well, to be honest, I had already been dressing pretty neutrally. I was, I was never one to wear clothes of any particular gender. I wore what I thought was neat. And I was always allowed to do that, which thank you parents for that one. So um, the only thing that really changed was that I chopped off all my hair, which I had been kind of wanting to do for a while. But um, that was kind of the big push that I was like, you know what? I don't need all of this hair. I've never needed all of this hair. Why did I think it was a good idea in the first place? So I did that. And from there, it was kind of in everybody else's hands. Like I knew what I wanted. I did all, all the things I needed to change for myself. I told you all the deal. And if you could respect that, that would be neat. And of course that took forever because people's brains are slow sometimes. Another question I was wondering is, were there any like role models or groups or individuals who you looked up to that kind of helped you throughout your transition? Yeah, for sure. I had a couple. I had um, the theater director in my middle school was very accepting and helped me with a lot of stuff and was always very accommodating with um, anything that I needed. And there was also in my, in a, in a different theater group that I'm a part of because queer people, theater people, this big Venn diagram overlap there. Um, but in a different theater group that I was in, there was this older person who had already transitioned and talking to him helped me a lot with a lot of my questions and just knowing that, you know, it was possible. It was physical evidence right in front of you. Someone else did that. Cool. That's awesome. What would you say is something that you just want people to know about your transition? What would you like to tell them? Is there anything, I guess, else that you would like for them to know about your transition? Yeah, I would say, especially for me personally, because I'm non-binary, um, people always with with any sort of coming out, but I think in particular with non-binary, especially because I was in middle school and I was so young, I would often get asked if I was sure if this was just a phase and stuff like that. And I think with that and with other non-binary people, usually if they are telling you and they are telling you with nothing like, I've been thinking about this or this is something, I, if they're just telling you straight up, they're sure. They've been sure for a while and they're only telling you now because they feel like they need to. So basically the are you sure question is unnecessary and should never be asked is my point. And like for some people, like even if it is just a phase, 
a phase is a part of self-discovery, you know? Phases are important and they should be respected. So I think that the whole, is this just a phase or are you sure? That question, unnecessary. Just throw it out the window. Thank you so much for adding that, Quinn. What are some ways that the community can better support you and your friends and um, just some different things that can be done to help you feel more welcome? That's a very open-ended question because there are a ton of things that could be done. Um, but I think the big things would just be little changes to show that like you accept people. Like for example, if you're a business owner, for example, in Monroe, maybe add to your employees name tags pronouns. Or if you're a business, like I said Monroe because I live in Monroe, but anywhere, if you're a business owner anywhere, you can have your employees add a little pronoun section to their name tags. And I guess if you're a teacher in a school, because I am still in school and I have I was in school when I came out, teachers oftentimes on first day of classes do little introduction sections, ask for pronouns in those introduction sections. Pronouns are like a huge deal and um, just the fact that you would ask means that you're accepting of any answers that you would receive, which is a huge deal for me and anyone like me. I know that people often don't like when people who aren't queer do stuff for Pride Month, but, you know, businesses, Disney. Anyway, <laughs> um, but during Pride Month or really any time of the year, if you put little rainbow stickers around, if you do little things to show that you support the community, it's just super helpful and it will make anyone who walks into your store feel safer. Or I say store because I was talking about businesses earlier, but it will make anyone who comes in contact with you feel safer. Thank you so much, Quinn, for being so vulnerable um, and answering all of those questions. Is there anything else that you would like to add to the conversation before we switch over to your mother? Um, nothing I can think of at the moment. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, Suzanne, I have a couple of questions. Um, my first question for you would be how or when did you first find out that Quinn was unhappy with the gender that they were assigned at birth? Well, I knew early on in middle school because they asked a lot of questions. We're a pretty open family. We have pretty honest conversations. And um, Quinn's always been very curious. It's always been a why, what, where, and then why again. And um, they would ask a lot of questions about human relations, like, why do some people feel they have to be a couple so young? Why do boys have to have girlfriends? And, you know, just all these, why do girls have to have boyfriends? Why is it that way? So even when they, we first moved here, Quinn was maybe just starting fourth grade, I think. And we moved here from Vermont, which is a very progressive area, first state to, um, allow same, I should say, allow mandate that you can have same sex marriage. And so they went to school their first day of school or second day of school and came home almost in tears and said some basically that some student called them a liar. I said, well, can you tell me more? What, what were, why did they think you were a liar? Well, I was telling them about uh, my friend's two moms 
And the friend was asking a lot of questions, like, you mean a stepmom and a mom? And Quinn was like, no, they're moms that raise them. They're married. And that child said, you two moms can't be married, that they, that's not allowed. You're lying type of thing. And Quinn came home brokenhearted and asked my husband and I, is it in Wisconsin, can two people who love each other not get married? And we were like, what? Well, can't you just marry who you love in Wisconsin? And we hadn't even thought of that when we moved here. At that time, you couldn't. And so that's, so this, these questions have always been in their mind. But um, that was the real awakening for us that, okay, they're noticing this stuff. But it wasn't until middle school where they real personal questions were asked. And then they did come out to us and I can picture where we were standing and when, what they said. And I remember her father and I just going, okay, and what, what do you want for dinner type of response until they mentioned about late in a later conversation being non-binary and then about wanting to change their name. And our biggest concern at that time was, you know, the mama and papa bear came out. We're like, oh my gosh, the world is a cruel place. How do we protect you? It was less about we're concerned about that this is who you are. We're like, okay, this is who you are. You're not changing. You're still who you are. But it was more about the outside world reaction and living in a small town that concerned us. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, at the time that Quinn came out to you, was there support for you as a parent? And is there more support now or about the same or less? What are your thoughts? I didn't know of any support. I didn't know of any resources. I Quinn has a lot of me in them. I'm a why person as well, so I get it when they ask all the why questions. I read anything I could get my hands on. As Quinn asked us a ton of questions, I asked them a bunch of questions too. Um, so me, me, it was reading, then it was finding groups, online groups. I found a great online group that um, has been a wealth of support and information. And then Quinn mentioned that um, person in the theater group. Well, I knew his mom and we discovered, hey, we're on this journey together. And this other mom being a couple steps ahead of me in this process I got to talking to her and we actually formed this informal group for parents or loved ones. Um, and this church graciously welcomed us, said, you want to do what kind of group? And they were like, sure, come on in and we won't charge you rent. We think this is amazing. And so us um, adults, we called us the barely grown up group. We're in one room and all the youth we're in another room and we would just talk. It was just this informal thing that um, happened and it was so helpful, so incredibly helpful. And that parent and I have become great friends since then and still use each other for resources. And we're actually mentor to other parents now. That is amazing. What is some advice that you would give to other parents who's maybe suspecting that their child may come out to them or their child did just come out to them, what advice would you give to those parents? 
like Quinn said, listen to them. Really listen to them. Um, educate yourself. Ask them tons of questions. I don't think, I think it's fair to ask the same questions they're asking you, but to not forget that I, I had to sometimes rein it in myself because Quinn has always been this kind of old soul that I would sometimes have to rein in my own questions going, okay, that's not their responsibility to teach me that. They shouldn't have to answer that type of question. So it's really, yeah, finding the resources, whether it's books, whether it's online groups, searching out other parents, you know, other parents just provide the love, give them the space to do what they need to do. And our family, we use a lot of humor. We still do. And it's, it's great. We joke. I just told a parent the other day, you will get to the point where you can joke about this. We still do. Quinn will, will turn on a TV show and I'll be like, Quinn, I think your people are on TV. And, you know, and we have just like, oh, and it gets everybody excited. Like they are, they are. So I think if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to sit with your discomfort for a while, because it's not always an easy process there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of emotions attached to a lot of things. The name change for us, for me, I shouldn't say us, for me was a big deal because what we named Quinn at birth was had an emotional attachment. It was a family name. It was a very, had a lot of history behind it. So that for me was tough. And I told Quinn that, but we had that conversation and they were willing to give me time to make that transition myself. So that's another advice I would give parents, just give it all time because like Quinn mentioned, they've been thinking about it for a while. Most youth, when they come to you, that's been in their head for a long time. They just didn't know how to make sense of it. So by the time they get to most of us adults, they are like a mile ahead of you. So I always tell parents, that's okay. You just need time to catch up and to tell your kids that, that I'm going to take a little time to catch up to you. It's been in your head for a long time. It just entered mine. So parents um, struggle with that one. I struggled with that because I wanted to catch up faster, but Quinn um, was patient with me. And I, I tell parents all the time, I'm still the mama bear. I don't parent Quinn any differently. Maybe I'm a little more cautious about some things because I want them to be safe. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable as well and sharing, um, sharing all of what you shared. And I think it is absolutely amazing um, the connection that you and Quinn both have and it makes me, I can't even put into words how happy that Quinn has someone, a parent in their life who supports them as you do. Um, and I just wish that for, for every kid who comes out to their family. Is there anything else, Suzanne, that you would like to add before we kind of close uh, the podcast? I think one thing I would like to add in, Quinn, and you can chime in too, is the hard part can be extended family and how to navigate that as an immediate family, like grandparents, aunts and uncles. Like that conversation can be a little different. And so I always tell parents and their youth, maybe you need a script, like to work with your youth around what's the script we are going to use to talk about this to people who may be 80, 85, 
50, but have lived in a very, very small town and, you know, their exposure is very limited. So that is something um, we worked on and I think it went pretty well. What do you think, Quinn? It, it definitely did go pretty well, but um, with extended family, they always have more questions than I think than I think they might be entitled to because honestly, for a lot of them, it's like, yeah, sure, you're my aunt. I see you at family reunions. We're related by blood, but you, you don't need to know all my personal stuff. All you need to know is what to call me. And you got that, I told you that. So that's, that's you said about having a script, that's super important. And I know with me, I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with the extended family. And so I kind of put some of that on you to tell people. And uh, you did because you're amazing and awesome like that. So yeah, extended family, that's a whole trip. And I mean, sometimes, do they really need to know? If you don't want to tell them, don't tell them. If that's not something you're comfortable with, they don't need to know. No one needs to know. It's a you thing, not an anyone else thing. I think that that's such a great point to touch on as well. So thank you both so much. And thank you both so much in general for coming on this podcast and again, being so brave and vulnerable and sharing um, a little bit of your story. I appreciate you both so much. And if anyone after hearing this podcast has any questions or would like some, um, some more support, please feel free to reach out to myself, Megan at Better Broadhead, and I would love to help give any information and support that I can. So thank you again both so much for being here and sharing all that you did. Thanks to Better Broadhead, actually, for giving us a platform in order to share these things and spread awareness. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Clear Thinking, a podcast produced by Better Broadhead. We are a federal grant-funded community coalition, building a community where everyone is valued and safe. To learn more about our work, to join as a volunteer, or to contact us about this or any other episode of the podcast, visit us on the web at betterbroadhead.org or find us on Facebook. Until next time, take care of yourself, take care of one another.